Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Let's stand to our feet. Welcome all of you watching online. Today's going to be a very special day. Say why? Because it's the day the Lord's made. This will never happen again. This day will never exist. So today is a special day. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, before I get started preaching, a couple of exciting announcements, one of which is on Friday night, October the 9th, we will resume finally our 50-plus fellowship on Friday night, October the 9th, okay? Mark that down. It'll be on social media. All of our outlets will uh, reflect that. Then on uh, uh, Monday, Saturday morning, October the 10th, we'll have our men's breakfast at 9 a.m. That's back. You know, the, the <laughs> you guys know me well enough to know I, I, I'd be a horrible poker player because I really can't hold things and hide things. So, you know, people have asked, you know, what are you guys doing social distancing? Here we are six months later. Just so you'll know, those who would judge or criticize, and there are those who do, that uh, we're doing everything we can to continue to keep this a safe environment. We have people that, if you need a mask, we have them in the lobby. We sanitize before, during, and after service, every service, not once, not twice. We're cleaning everything. Uh, we no longer have a doctor taking temperature, but we did have... It's, it's, uh, it's just, a, uh, I, I saw this post last night of a, a guy that used to work for me. He's now pastoring up in the northeast somewhere. And uh, he's probably in his mid-30s. And he did one of these things where you age your face and basically said, pastoring through a pandemic, no problem, gray, and everything's in his 30s. And I, I actually haven't had contact with him in a while, but I saw it and I just laughed because I thought he is feeling it too. Let me say this as I begin. I started this series last week, Good, Better, and Best. And good is surviving. I'm always thrilled when somebody says, you know, I survived a tornado, I survived cancer, I survived. I'm really happy about that. But if you live the rest of your life only talking about surviving cancer, there's probably a good chance you're never going to live the rest of your life the way you want. Uh, you were not created, nor were, was I born to survive. We were not. We were born to live an abundant life. A life that is so far beyond our imagination that we don't even know how to describe what it's like to go from darkness to light, from sinner to saved, and uh, from going to hell to going to heaven. It's a major different deal. And so I began this series uh, talking ab about good, survival, which is, in my estimation, a place of stagnation. I, I went to Israel many years ago, and the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it has no outlet. And so as a result, it's just salty. You can literally float on top of the salt in the Dead Sea. It has no activity. But it is a sea, qualifies to be a sea, but it's the Dead Sea. Many people are living a dead life while they live because they're stagnant. 
you are where you are, and all you do every day is get up and think, if I can just survive another eight-hour workday, if I can just get by with the kids, if I can just, and so on and so forth. That's called surviving, and, and there's no judgment. doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just simply means there's not a whole lot of heaven in your life now. And Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer of bringing heaven and heavenly activity to earth. And during this pandemic, I've heard people say, well, I can't wait to return to normal. I don't want to return to normal because if normal would have been good enough, we wouldn't be where we are right now. God didn't cause the pandemic. God hasn't caused the tension in our, our world today. God has not done it. But here's what I'm saying. Where we are today is where normal gets you. We have a supernormal God, supernatural God, above normal. And what I don't want to see happen after this all happens is for people to go, oh, thank God we're back in Egypt again. Because that's exactly what Israel wanted. You know, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? In other words, why, we were surviving. We were eating. We had a place to sleep. We got a regular beating. And we got used to it. <clears throat> well, let me tell you what we got used to in America. We got used to political correctness, dishonesty, deception, all because we were afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. If somebody's about to step off a curb in front of a car, be mean and go tackle them before they do. Don't go, oh, well, I guess it'd be insensitive of me to not let them have their freedoms to just step in front of a bus. Dumb. And yet that's spiritually, metaphorically what's happened in our world. We just allowed people to live status quo. We've not challenged them. We've not challenged their faith for fear that they might not like us. I would rather somebody not like me so much and go to heaven than, than really like me and go to hell. Well, you know, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be too strong with my faith. I am so thankful for people who love the hell out of me. And aggressively, aggressively pursued me. Talked about God in front of me when they knew I would be angry. Don't talk about God in front of me. Why? Because it was, I felt conviction. When you start talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, something supernaturally changes in the atmosphere in which that conversation is taking place. Survival people are like the people that Moses had to lead out of Egypt, complaining and whining and crying and gossiping and criticizing. That was normal. And Moses said, I'm taking you out of the normal. God said, I'm delivering you from normal. I'm delivering you from Egypt, what you've gotten used to. I'm delivering you from that. And they didn't get it. And many people today will not get what's going on. This pandemic has caused every one of us to take a step back and go, how am I living my life and why am I living my life the way I'm living my life? And now I'm telling you, God is creating this incredible contrast. And it's time for us to quit pandering and pondering a pandemic and, and, and trying to avoid all the things in this world and, and exaggerate. And listen, I know this is real, but it's no more real than heart disease, diabetes, or the flu. And some of you all are going to get mad at me for saying that, but at the end of all of this, I promise you, the statistics, when they're revealed and they're truthful, this was a conspiracy to shut the world down and to keep Christians isolated and separated from being together. 
Now, I just got incredibly abnormal right there. Because preachers aren't supposed to talk like this. When you use the word conspiracy to millennials, they look at you like you're outdated. You don't know what you're talking about. I do know what I'm talking about because all you have to do is read the Bible and see throughout the Bible and throughout history these kinds of things happening to get people to doubt God. I was not born to survive. I'm a horrible survivor. I'm an incredible thriver. There's just no reason for us to embrace the fear that has been communicated for six months now. And some of y'all get mad at me. I'll never see you again, but I haven't seen you in six months, so I'm kind of used to it. This is a wake-up call. And we need some preachers standing up and declaring, enough is enough is enough is enough. I hope this is anointed. would hate the thought that I didn't trust God enough to gather and worship his name because of a stinking virus. You say, what, what, what instigated all this? Well, I get up and I pray and I have notes and half the time I get here and God says, you, you forget those, I got another plan. But listen to me. And listen carefully. I'm challenging you. Some of you will get mad enough to leave me. Some will get mad enough to say you're right. It is what it is. People get up and go to work five days a week, but use COVID on Sunday to not come to church. Am I doing all right? Okay. You see... We're building up the name of Jesus. We're not building a church. We're not building, we're building the name of Jesus again. Restructuring. People are going to have to, there are people who didn't think he existed that are now scared to death and being drawn to him. And there are people who are mad at him and being repelled by him. That's all it works. That's how it works. There's very, the, the, the thing I love right now is there's very little neutral. There's very little normal. I don't want to go back to normal. Thank God normal's over. People say, well, I can't wait till we get back to normal. I'll never go back to normal. This has changed my life forever. It's caused me to take a step back and go, God, I, I see what's happening now. And I want to challenge those of you watching, I want to challenge all of us in here to take a step up this week and say, I'm done. I, I'm going to live my life by the leading of the Holy Spirit not CNN, not Fox, not CNBC, not CDC. I'm going to live my life by the Holy Spirit. I will not be restrained and held back. I'm not suggesting you're not be smart. If you're vulnerable, I get it. Stay home just like you would if the flu. I get all that if you're vulnerable. If you're, if you're exposed, as, I get that. I'm not being critical. I'm simply saying a lot of nominal believers before that, that before this happened, 
have become more nominal in their faith, in their commitment to God. And they've used COVID. Moses had to lead a bunch of knuckleheads that got used to normal. And God said, I want to free you. I want to take you into your place of destiny. I want, I want you to experience the promised land that I, I told you about. And, and God enticed Israel. He talked about all the beauty of it, a land flowing with milk and honey, rich with resources and food, and, and, and all the beauty, if you could only imagine for a moment. And God is telling them through his servant Moses, and Moses is passing it on, and they just couldn't grasp it 40 years later surviving that's all they did for 40 years was survive and go in circles survivors go in circles they don't move forward they stagnate like the dead sea you can float on their doubt fear and unbelief i pray with everything in me For the love of Jesus Christ to fill the atmosphere of our world in such a way that we would quit excusing ourselves to do our own thing and our will and say, God, your will be done. You're going to die someday. I'm so encouraging this morning. I'm going to die someday. We're going to die someday. You think you're going to live in this old body forever? I don't even want to. I've got more wrinkles than a basset hound. I'm like, God, could we trade that in early? Can I get an upgrade before I fly up? So what are we what are we what are we doing? What are we doing? Every time you get in your car, you risk dying because 17-year-olds are texting behind the wheel. We had one of our members get rear-ended, going a teenager, 17, going 70 miles an hour. She's at a dead stop and rear-ended her. You should see her car. She's alive and well. Glory to God. But just getting behind the wheel of a car with people who are now getting their driver's license at Ace Hardware. I'm going to read a scripture that these guys don't have because that's what happens. 1 Kings chapter 18, one of the most powerful passages of Scripture of all time. How, you say, how do we move from stagnation to integration? What's integration or revival? Because stagnation is survival. Integration is revival. In other words, we take a little piece of the past, be it the biblical past, a family past, an experiential past, where God did something unusual in our lives. For us, we saw it before our very eyes. We experienced it, or somebody that we were close to experienced a miracle. And that moment was a defining moment. But what happens with defining moments 
is they begin to fade until you keep bringing them up saying, God, thank you for healing me of cancer. And you don't do it one day, you do it every day. Otherwise, you simply become a survivor because it happened back there. And now in a time of desperation, you go, hold it, hold it, hold it. I need God again. Well, how can I trust God? Oh, yeah, that's right. He healed me of cancer. That's an experience that draw you draw from and say, you know what? I need something else. I need it again, God. That's called revival, personal revival. Normal is I got to pay the bills. I got to take the kids to school. I got a job. I got to do this. I got to do this. And we get into this routine like Israel did in Egypt. We lose our dreams. They're veiled by all the cares and concerns of the world. And let me tell you something. I've not seen people as afraid in my lifetime. All 39 years of it. As I see people afraid right now. Matter of fact, you even mentioned corona or COVID. And, and, and you, you, see, you see facial expressions from who cares to I care and you're, you're too close to me. I'd love to just be like saved a lot and just a little carnality. You say, why would you want that? So I'd be going up kissing everybody that was running. <laughs> if you're going to get it, you're going to get it good. <laughs> Back to 1 Kings chapter 18. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Now, that'd be enough to go right there to, to, to make some people just cower and say, I'm so sorry. I, I just want to be politically correct. And, you know, No, he's a prophet, and he's telling Ahab, your wife's a loser, which makes you a loser for letting her be a loser. Nicknamed Jezzy discounting the power of God and we have a world discounting the power and presence of God it's like God is somewhere in the outer stratosphere who really has no interest in humanity or humankind but we believe there is a God but but he really has little to do with who we are and what we are let me tell you that could not be further from the truth he is as near as the words on your lips If God would have had one-tenth of the time that the media has given to COVID, there would already be revival. I'm trying to preach happy. I am happy. I know some of y'all aren't happy. Because today you would say he's meddling in my business. Sure am. Because that's what we're called to do is to provoke one another and encourage one another to rise above the challenges and the fear and the difficulty and the doubt and say, I declare today not what I'm experiencing. I declare today what God said I could experience. 
I can experience life more abundantly. I can be blessed in the city and in the country. I can be blessed coming in and going out. I can be blessed every place the soles of my feet tread. I can possess. Those are the promises of God, and those are the promises we need to start talking about. Not the promises of phase two, not the promises of more death, but the promise that God is going to intervene if a people will rise up out of normal and say, I have a supernatural God, and the natural cannot compete with it. I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. <sighs> I'd have loved to have been standing right shoulder to shoulder with Elijah and looking and going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knowing who he was and how God was with him and how God's on him just like he is you. He said, you can call me what you want, but you're the trouble. You have abandoned the Lord's command. And have followed the Baals, false prophets. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal. And the 400 prophets of Asherah. Who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel. And assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah, this may be the best MMA event ever in biblical history. Elijah went before the people and said, how long, listen to this, how long will you waver between two opinions? Do you know what division is? Most people say, well, we're divided. You know what that is? That means you have two visions. That means we are not only divided as people, but we are internally divided when we begin to question the power of God. It's called division of the soul. I believe, but I don't believe. I believe God's a healer, but I don't want to push it. That was a little tacky. Intentionally. Look, Larry Jones is one of my dearest friends, and Francis, and I, I've known him for a long time. I called him a couple weeks ago. You know, they, they are older and a little more vulnerable. I get that. I'm not speaking to those of you who have legitimately become vulnerable, but let me tell you, I am speaking to those of you who have followed suit falsely. You're not vulnerable. But you're wavering. And whenever we waver, we don't get all of God. We're fortunate if we get half of God, if we're divided. When God has us Spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and strength. When he has all of that, he has a vessel or container through which he can work. We get from God what we believe from God. Nothing more. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as sure as I say this, people start going through the data bank and the database of their minds wanting to disprove because you're being challenged. And I understand people have died. I understand people are sick. And I understand I'm going to die. And you're going to die. And we're going to die. Get that. Don't lay down. Don't quit. Don't give up. Elijah's facing this battle and he goes to Israel. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God... 
If the, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. He's saying there are two things, only two. You have two options. You don't have three. You don't have, you know, uh, like split custody with children. Okay, you get God Sunday through Tuesday, and we get Baal Wednesday through Saturday. Split custody. God does not split custody. He is all out the Father, all out God, and he's not splitting time. Elijah said, what's getting ready to come down here today, you're going to have to choose. Because I'm getting ready to take on 450 idiots that think Baal is God. But the people said nothing. Now, we got we, everything I'm preaching today, I'm preaching boldly. But it, everything I'm talking about has to be done in humility. This is a very tough sermon because I, I feel like I'm on a tightrope between what used to be the Twin Towers, walking across a tightrope, going, how do I get across here? Because there are going to be people that don't get what I'm saying. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm not judging us or you. I'm challenging us to reconsider everything that we consider to be normal. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces, because that's how they did sacrifices, and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you will call on the name of your God, little g, and I will call on the name of the Lord, capital L, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. They go from saying nothing to, well, what you say is good. Why did they say it was good? Because that's where they were in good. Because that's what survival is. They didn't know we're getting ready to kick some bale booty. They were afraid. How many of you know that when you commit to something, you're all in? You're committed. Elijah's trying to get them to commit, saying, you know what? You've put up with all this stuff in the past. We've got all these miracles to draw from. We know that God is God. We know about Noah. We know about Moses. We know about... Why would you say nothing until I say... I mean... He has to pull on Israel... To get rid of the survival mindset. Israel is being challenged again. Their God is being challenged again. His power is being challenged. His his deity, his authority. Everything all of a sudden is coming into question. And they're worshiping Asherah poles. And they're worshiping images and idols. And they can't speak. They can't talk. They're rocks. They're wood. Who in the world is dumb enough? Oh, well, our new Asherah poles are... 
look a little different today. They shine a little bit better. They give us 24-7 access to 2,000 channels. He ain't mad at nobody. But I'm saying this. I could easily sit back and just close my eyes every Sunday and go, Oh, I hope somebody shows up. And I could figure out how to say things really nice to make you feel like warm and cozy. God put something in his creation that doesn't want to be coddled. It wants to be challenged. We're not better. Think about this. If all a mother ever did when she gave birth to a child was rock it, hold it, feed it, never encourage it to crawl, walk, or act, how pathetic that would be. You give birth to something to challenge it, spank it, make it stronger. I'm sorry for all you people who think your children don't need a little swat here and there. Just encourage them. Just let them. I got words that I cannot say from right here. Oh, no. You spare the rod, you hate the child. No consequences, no growth. No pain, no gain. No cross, no crown. Folks, we're in a fight. Elijah was in a fight. We're in a fight. So let's see what he does here in his fight. Hmm. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, and there, there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given and prepared it, and then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Now, y'all remember I was a youth pastor, right? So I'm fixing to go that way on you just for a minute. Because this is the true historical meaning. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy, which means he went to the restroom. So I'd throw that out there to see if I had your attention. <laughs> or he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords, spears, as was their custom until they, they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. This guy is a stud. I'm going to hang out with Elijah when I get to heaven. I'm just going to tell you, this guy's like, he was the Fonzie of the Bible. Hey. Me against 450, y'all need about 50 more people to even compete.
they came to him <coughs> and he prepared repaired the altar of the Lord because they'd torn it up, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each tribe descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built on the altar, the name of the Lord, he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bulls into pieces, laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering on wood. Do it again, he said, and then they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water had drowned, uh, water had run down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. There's the key, back again. Israel went through cycle after cycle after cycle they went through pandemic after pandemic after pandemic after pandemic. God is God. God is not God. God is God. God is not God. Elijah finally says, you know what? How long will you waver between two opinions? He's either God or he's not. Then... The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And also licked up water in the trench. God said, you going to question me? I'll burn everything up and suck the water out of that thing. Now, folks, let me say this. Prior to this moment, Israel was living in the shadow of the fears of a lady by the name of Jezebel and her little servant husband, Ahab. Until one man, full of God, stepped up and said, This is not, and we are not, a good reflection of the God that we call God. We make him look weak. Folks, let me say this to you. The world will never see Jesus on this side of heaven until they see him in us. They will never see the power of Jesus, the faith, the trust, until they see it in us. You will be judged and criticized as we have already been for not preaching in a mask. And I'm not against people wearing masks. I wear them every time I fly, I comply, I'm all good. No judgment. My faith is not in a thin piece of paper that if I sneeze hard enough, I'll blast you. <laughs> right through that mask. I'm coming through. My faith and confidence is not in that. 
And I do think there's wisdom in some of the steps that have been taken. But some people went ahead, instead of just taking the bait, swallowed the hook. You're going to be fine. And guess what? You say, well, one of my friends died. Did they know Jesus? Then they're better off than you are. You don't want a leader, be it a Christian leader or any other kind of leader, that looks at you and goes, hmm, not sure. You know, when I look in the cockpit of planes, and I got 4 million miles with American Airlines, I've flown so much, it'd make your head spin. I love it when a pilot comes on and, and says, we'll be cruising today at 36,000 feet. Here are the temperatures and the weather. We're going to have a smooth flight. We're going to get you there safe. I don't want one that comes on and goes, hey, hey, you know, I'm not really sure how it's going to play out today. We're going to do our very best, but there are a lot of obstacles between here and Oklahoma City. And uh, there's every chance that we might go down. But we're sure glad you've joined us, and we're all going to die together. We're going to die with a smile on our face today, maybe. If we land, we'll greet each other and say, whoosh, we did it, we made it. Not sure why, but really glad. <laughs> Get off the plane. You don't want a Christian leader or a preacher standing up going, well, you know. We think it's going to be all right, but we understand. You know, we're going to do our best. <laughs> to pass the test. When the people saw this, they finally... I add the word finally. They finally fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. What will it take? The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And you know, if I were to die next week, next month, next year, they're going to put COVID on there. Because they're going to get a lot more money for that. And then some of y'all say, he preached that way and he died. You know what? Paul said to live his game, dies Christ. I'll be better off than you. Suckers can stand down here and talk about me all you want. I'll be dancing with Jesus. And I came from the disco era, so there'll be balls flinging around and everything. Double-knit polyester. <laughs> really bad shirts and collars. And not to mention hairdos. Oh, dear Jesus. I had, a, I had a perm all the way down to my shoulder blades, baby. I was curly back then. I think that's the reason it all decided to cut loose today. <laughs> I looked up there. You couldn't perm this hair if you tried. <laughs> The Lord, he is God. Now, I didn't get to my notes. Uh, so let me just read one so I feel better about the work I put in. Is that all right? Okay, good. Revival means a renewed attention to or interest in 
something renewed. Our nation and the world need a renewed interest in God. And I can promise you, as bad as this situation is, it's caused all of us to renew or revisit our faith and our confidence in God. The world's mad right now. The world's mad. And we'll use any excuse to vent that anger. Instead of saying, God is an awesome God. You are awesome people. We live in an awesome world. We have an awesome Savior who's creating and building an awesome heaven. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. All the tension from pandemic and racism and politics. None of these things are really our problem. Our problem's right in here. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. All we have to do is think differently and say, I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to love everybody today. I don't care how tall, short, fat, skinny, color. I don't care. I am going to love everybody today. I'm going to love life today. I'm going to live life today. I'm not going to listen to what's going on around me. And make a decision based on what I'm listening to. Though some of the things you hear are good and being informed is good. But I have to check my opinion and my finite intellect at the door of my prayer closet. And say, God, everything I'm coming in here with today, I lay at your feet today and ask you to order my footsteps. I will not be moved by public opinion, media opinion, popular opinion. I will not be moved by that. And some of you are sitting at home right now, miserable as all get out, waiting on somebody or something instead of looking to God and saying, God, I'm going to trust you today. And my footsteps are ordered by you. I'm going where you tell me to go. I will face what you tell me to face. I will do what you tell me to do. I am no longer excusing myself from being obedient to you. I would say I might have kicked a sleeping dog today, but you wouldn't think of it the way I would. You'd be thinking he'd just call me a dog. <laughs> I kicked something that was sleeping today. So hopefully we're at 60-40 today in the good. Maybe 70, 30 I could hope for. Because I know there's some 20, 30% just mad at me right now. But you'll watch this again just to load your gun. <laughs> so I got you twice. Did he say what I think he said? Mm-hmm. I love you. I love people. I love life, but more than anything, I love my God. And I don't want to in any way be one of the people that Elijah was speaking to, saying, how long will you waver between two opinions? I want to be a Joshua and a Caleb that looks around at a million people and says, who are you? Who are you people? You're the people of God. 
He got us to the place just across the river from our destiny and his promise. And you are sitting here today questioning his power and strength after we crossed the Red Sea and the Jordan at flood stage. And now we face a Jericho. Don't stop on me now. Keep on marching. Keep on shouting. And keep on declaring we are one step away from the promise. Tired, fatigued, whatever it might be. I get it. I get it. But as long as I have breath, I'll keep declaring who he is and what he can do, not what's going on and what has been done. The problem is most people have put their faith in a bunch of of elected officials to tell us what is good for us and what's not good for us. And as well-meaning as many are, there's one thing I know for sure, that from the beginning of time, Satan has been after the people of God, the church of God, the house of God. We must muster up all the strength and confidence and faith we can say I will never be normal again and I pray that we never return to normal because normal was blase as Elijah called down fire in the midst of 450 doubters haters he didn't do it to shame them he did it to glorify him that's what our life is about to glorify him I ask you to pray after this message. Pray about it and pray for me. I will continue to press and believe that our best days are ahead. I will press and believe the rest of my life that God by his spirit will move across this nation and the nations of the earth. And that he will be glorified and reveal himself as God and authority, as healer. As provider. Be strong. Be strong. Because that's what it's going to take to not be normal again. Is a strength that says it's time. If you know someone who's been living in isolation and fear. I'm not telling you to be mad at them. Quite the opposite. Love them enough to say, look. Are you going to wait on some man to tell you when it's okay? Or are you going to read the Bible and look to God to tell you it's okay? I will be in the lobby. Because I ain't scared. Any of you have an issue? I'll smile at you. And be careful, I might kiss you. Just kidding. Sorry. Let's pray. God, you're an awesome God. We know that for sure. But every now and then, situations and circumstances cause us to be challenged. Do we really believe you're God? Do we really believe that, like in the story of Elijah on Carmel, you're going to have the last word? You're going to show yourself to be God? 
That's my prayer, Lord. There have been losses. And I pray for everyone who's lost someone they've loved that they would rise up stronger than they ever have been. They may have died, but I'm going to live until I die. I'm not going to exist. I'm not going to be timid. I'm not going to be shy. I'm going to live. And I'm going to live first to honor my God, and I'm going to live second to honor those I've lost because that's what they would want me to do. Jesus, make us strong. Help us to land on a right opinion, not wavering between doubt and faith. Lead us by your spirit. There will be those, God, I know that you will tell you need to rest and you stay at home. That's great. But may those who know better in their life, in their certain situation, in who they are, make that decision by the leading of your spirit, God. Not by the opinions of society or man. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer that we pray every week. We don't want anyone turning off YouTube, Facebook, website that's watching us right now without having an opportunity to trust God and no longer waver between your opinion of God and whether He's real or not real. We'll get out of God and from God the faith that we put into God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him and whatever's not of faith is sin. So we're going to exercise faith today as we pray this prayer. And I want to ask everyone here to pray it with me and those of you online. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I refuse to waver any longer. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Again... Please understand my heart for you as I preach a sermon like this, that I love you and I love you. And in no way was my heart or intent to offend you or hurt you. But I know that God in you is stronger than what's going on in the world around you. And I know that he'll give you wisdom to make decisions day in and day out as to how to live your life. But please don't be judgmental, don't be mean, let's love each other. But let's challenge each other to go from good to better to best. Your life's going to be better as you step up and say, I'll no longer waver. I'm going to be better. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week. And get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.